Well, I don't know how difficult that was for you to sing, but it's not the easiest psalm to sing if you read the words and you're thinking about it. The path of blameless living. That's what I'm going to be living. Things base and worthless I won't have near me. Deeds of faithless men I hate sincerely. I shun all evil. No disloyalty will cling to me. You know, some of these words, would we have done the things we did this past week if we were taking these words to heart? King David, he sings this song, and he has a palace. And one of the greatest concerns for his kingdom and the security and the glory of his kingdom is he better have the right people around him. He better be surrounded with godly men. These people better have changed lives. And so you hear Jesus Christ, and uh, this afternoon we're going to turn to the Word of God, that Jesus Christ has a changed people. You might sound humble when you say, I'm no different than anyone else. But does Jesus Christ want to hear you say that? That you're the same as everyone else? Aren't you supposed to be a new creation serving the Lord? And so these are difficult psalms I chose to sing. Psalm 15, Psalm 101. They are words of Jesus Christ and he has not lowered the bar saying, well, as long as you've tried your best, people. No, he has the bar held high so that we would seek our help and our help would be in the name of the Lord. We would be a new people in him. And so as we uh, turn to Lord's Day 30, I have a reading in connection with that. This is about the urgency of the gospel, the urgency of the messengers of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 5. Let's take our Bibles and we'll turn there. So in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, I really should have the page numbers handy beforehand. <laughs> it's not only difficult for you, it's hard for me to find 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, I'm not used to Bibles without the headings and divisions, so this is... We're coming to 2 Corinthians 5. Hear the Word of God coming through the Apostle Paul. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. He's talking about our new bodies. Um, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror or fear of the Lord, we persuade men but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, 
that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God, and if we are of sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and, for, and who rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and was committed to us the word. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for God, for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It's our reading from the Scriptures. Our confessional reading this afternoon, also the topic for this afternoon's sermon, is Lord's Day 30, the Heidelberg Catechism, page 546 in the Book of Praise. I guess I have the wrong number. It should be Lord's Day 31, right? But you knew that. Lord's Day 31, page 546. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The preaching of the Holy Gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is open to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? How is it opened to, um, sorry, how is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it's proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and all hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, People who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded excuse me, by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God Himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and when they show real amendment.
after the sermon, we're going to sing from the provisional handout, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, and that's page 90. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ, do you think the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is take it or leave it? Is it that kind of an offer? It's totally up to you. You know, whatever. Is the Lord indifferent? Does he shrug his shoulders about the gospel? Does he say, I've done my part. I've sent Jesus Christ, but now it's uh, totally up to you. Is the gospel only a still, small voice? Is Jesus Christ only gentle and meek? Or does the gospel have thrust, oomph, authority? For profession of faith, is it totally up to you? Doesn't matter when, you know, whenever you feel like it, young people, you know, publicly come before the Lord and profess your faith when it feels right with you, when you got the right level of confidence. Or does Jesus Christ have something to say about this? You know, over the last couple of weeks, as you go through the afternoon service, you've come through various topics. Apostles' Creed, really, the doctrine, the true faith. Uh, you've come through the sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper, and you heard, maybe you heard that last time too, that the Lord's Supper and baptism, they are not just sacraments that sign something, that show you an image, a picture of something. They're not just signs. What's the other part? They're seals. And if you remember back in the day, they used to use seals to seal an envelope, or um, what is it, Pontius Pilate? Sealed the cave where Jesus Christ was entombed. Sealed it. Hot wax with a, hot, uh, with, with a punch going into it. A, a, a ring with a stamp on it. You may not mess with this. This comes with authority. And I'm going to leave an impression. That's Christ's sacrifice. His blood shed on the cross is meant for you. And the sacraments will single you out. When you were baptized, you were singled out from the crowd. You, you were the only one, or maybe just one or two, at the very front of the church. And Christ, with all his authority, not just your opinion or the pastor's opinion, but Christ weighs in to say, I wash you from your sins. And what about preaching? Is it just passing on stories and anecdotes and interesting nuggets of information? Well, preaching is meant to teach, right? But it's especially meant to change the heart, to com comfort and to confront. Preaching is supposed to come with authority and church discipline, right? It's meant to correct and steer and confront and turn somebody. By nature, Isaiah 53, you know this? All we like sheep go astray and we all turn everyone to his own way. But discipline is God's way of bringing us back, compelling us to return to Him. I'm not going to leave it up to you. And here's Lord's Day 31 about the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the point is the gospel comes with oomph. 
I'm not sure how to write that down, so I couldn't put it in the bulletin like that. The gospel comes with oomph, with authority, with official authorization from on high. How do we know that? You remember those times in the Bible, you clearly hear God's people sent with a message. John 20, uh, John 20 is interesting because it comes to the 12 disciples. Jesus says to the 12 disciples who are the sent ones, you better bring this message. Receive the Holy Spirit, Christ says to them, the 12 or 11. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so they do that. They're representatives of Christ, even though they are people. They have a lot of authority. And notice the disciples, they are saying things in their ministry, eternal things. Like Peter, I think of Acts chapter 4. Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira after those two had uh, lied to the Holy Spirit. He says, you lied to the Holy Spirit, you will be carried out of here dead. And they fall over dead. Such permanent, eternal significance. And there's Peter in Acts chapter 8. He's speaking to Simon the sorcerer. You thought you could buy the gift of God with money? May your silver perish with you. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right before God. So there's a sent person. That's an apostle. From heaven, Christ sends this person to say, you are not right with God. It's not exactly take it or leave it kind of message. Oh, you, you might say, well, that's the 12 apostles. Clearly, those ones are sent. They, they had special authority calling from God. Yeah, but what about the next generation? Someone in the Bible you hear about is Timothy. The next generation of preachers. The generation of preachers who have not met the Lord Jesus Christ personally in Galilee. They've heard about Him. They have not been with Jesus Christ uh, on the trips that Jesus was with the disciples for three years. No, Timothy is pretty ordinary. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. You remember this uh, at the installation service. Professor Vischer, preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And do you think God says, well, whatever. You know, people have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, do you think Christ in heaven is kind of indifferent to that? Like, well, just let them have what they want. Notice it's the official calling of guys like Timothy. And all preachers and elders, all the spiritual leaders of the church, that if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So you hear the point. In both preaching and discipline, the church has keys. Christ gave keys to the church to open and shut, to visibly, in a way that you can actually understand and picture, anyone here can know, oh, heaven is shut for somebody living in sin? Oh, 
heaven is open, the kingdom of God is open to those who repent, even if they've done fill in the blank? Yes, that is what Christ is doing in heaven. You know, the old story, a lot of jokes are built off of the story about St. Peter and the pearly gates, that when you die, you might appear before St. Peter. That's, that's a fable, but it's built on Matthew chapter 16. At least in the background, Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And you think about it. Paul writes to Timothy that you, as an ordinary preacher, and he writes to every church, you men, you have that responsibility that before people ever get to some pearly gates of heaven, that they've encountered someone real in their life who says, you know, you, you can't just live like that and expect to go to heaven. Or, you know that you're forgiven in Christ. You might not feel it, but for somebody who's turning to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you should really know that you're forgiven. This is Christ And he does not like it that you accumulate teachers for yourself to suit your own passions. You can find anyone you want to follow online. He doesn't like that. He's turning you away from listening to myths and go to the truth. Not making up stories for yourself. Get out of your own head. Hear it from his own servants. Words from above. Men appointed to bring you good news. God's verdict. Are my sins forgiven me? What an absolutely essential question to ask. When I die, will I be received into heaven and glory? And will this be the last time I ever suffer? That is an essential question. Here's Jesus Christ sending official men into your life. Not just once or twice, but often at church, maybe meeting you in your home, the coffee shop, to speak into your situation, to speak directly to you. Are you repenting? Boy, is that ever good news for you. Let me bring you Christ's word. Are you living in sin? God calls you an unbeliever. Yeah, you might be baptized. Yeah, you might be attending church. Are you living in sin? That's, that's called an unbeliever. That's a hypocrite if you're just pretending. The wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on you as long as you do not repent. you're repenting. I love this assurance of pardon. Many churches do that in the liturgy. They, they have this moment after the law where the pastor maybe reads a verse of the Bible. If you turn to Jesus Christ, you confess your sins, if you hate your sins and want to please the Lord God, then listen. You know what Jesus Christ says? Your sins are forgiven you. That is such a glorious gospel. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to wait 
for some opinion. He brings His Word to you from heaven. And the point, 2 Corinthians 5, why we read that, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Does that sound like He's indifferent? That Christ in heaven is, is kind of, doesn't care one way or the other? I've done my job, you do yours. No, you hear Christ sending ambassadors. He, th- these men, these ambassadors, they appeal through you, through Christ. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Beg, beseech. I don't know what your translation might do for that. But it's not, uh, who cares? Totally up to you. Your choice. It's the word you would use for somebody pleading, begging. Be reconciled to God. And I hope you find me as a pastor pleading and begging before God that you would be right with God. Implore is one word. You know the other one maybe is compel. That's the word used in Luke 14, the parable about the wedding banquet. Jesus says to His messengers, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Compel them to come in. You hear that sound of of the work of mission, the work of outreach, the work of evangelism is... One day I might get around to raising a difficult conversation with somebody. No, compel is, this is awkward for me. It's very inconvenient, but I'm going out of my way to meet with you and to talk about things that are eternal. And it's not just those who are especially officially called to the task. You hear how this works, that Christ has many people sent into your life, all of them compelling you to follow Jesus Christ. So take it to heart, brothers and sisters. You're not coming to church for a warm, cozy experience. Would be nice. But that's not why we're coming. We're here to hear Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel with more than a take it or leave it tone. It's not indifferent. Christ is not indifferent. He's imploring and compelling and urging with all words of authority, power, and truth. Take it to heart. You know, you like to follow your heart. Everybody likes to follow their heart. We like to counsel ourselves. Self-help books. But only Jesus Christ breaks into your world from above and He says, don't follow your heart. Don't deceive yourself. That's what you're doing. The spiritual battle that you're in, it will begin to fade as if it's no battle at all, there's no spiritual warfare at all. You used to be fighting against sin, but now you don't hear the Word of God much. You're hardly struggling against sin. Pretty soon you'll tell yourself, your conscience, to, to wait outside in the car before you come into church. Let your conscience do the hard work. And you put on a good face. Pretty soon you'll avoid people that remind you of Christ's awesome words from heaven. So why does Jesus Christ give His church 
the keys of the kingdom so that you know the times that you should be comforted and you should know the times you should feel a lot less comfortable forgiven or under wrath take it to heart this is so important brothers and sisters you've got daily accusations from Satan contempt of the proud you're good for nothing they say for the kingdom of heaven no chance for you and you've got your doubts Every day there are ways you know that you're not looking to Jesus and He is not the only help that you have coming from heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, He's the founder and perfecter of your faith and you haven't looked to Him and He's saying today again, turn back to me. Be reconciled. I am your righteousness. I'm the one who loves you. I gave my life for you. Your Father in heaven loves you because of me. 2 Corinthians 5, you have become the righteousness of God. So you see these keys of the kingdom? They are the oomph of the gospel. Over the last months we've gone through the gospel. Apostles' Creed explained Heard about Christ's death and resurrection, the sacraments, all the message. And it might be just in your mind and you're thinking, oh, these are true things. I agree with them. But Jesus Christ says, believe me. Follow me. And we're wrapping up in the Heidelberg Catechism. We're coming to the end of Lord's Day 31. We're going to turn to Lord's Day 32, our thankfulness. But do you understand that the gospel message All this information, the truth of the Apostles' Creed comes to you and it's not been take it or leave it the entire time. It's not been take it or leave it. Oh, here's the part we do, the thankfulness. Oh, I'm glad for Lord's Day 32. Now I get to do something. No, listen right now. Jesus Christ from heaven says, I am applying this to your heart with every bit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit overwhelming and controlling you so that you respond in faith. The gospel has bite to it. Teeth. I implore you, be reconciled to God. He's saying that to a church. Apostle Paul is saying that to the church in Corinth. You think, oh, that's where all the believers are. Be reconciled to God. Reconciled, repatched together again, in harmony, in peace. All of this truth of the Word of God, please don't just take it or leave it. Respond like these three young people. Not whenever. Jesus says, Trust in me, follow me. I have absolute authority given. Heaven and on earth respond to my grace, respond to my love in faith. Amen.